Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zoot. And hopefully you get this episode. Let's hope, because there's a lot of weirdness going on at the moment. So if you have been wondering where our podcasts are, well, you're probably not hearing this one. I which, just realized. Which would suck. Yeah. Um, we've been having some major problems with our RSS still. Uh, we're working on getting it fixed. Uh, again, if you are listening to this on the site, because for some reason it hasn't been pulling up in your favorite podcatcher, we apologize. You know, let us know the name of the podcatcher service you're using. Uh, and then that may help as well. So in the meantime, still working on Stitcher, still working on Google Play, still working on iTunes, and it's still, of course, going out to all of our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, open book audio, uh, Stitcher, Radio KSCR, and Geek Factor Radio, which is a nice way to pull in their sponsors by letting you know that, yes, you can still hear our shows there. Yes, if, um, you manage to hear it here. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been out of town all week. We have. You were up in the mountains with a bunch of young men. Um, I'm a scoutmaster, not a sex offender. Yes. That, that, that didn't make it really clear the way you just said it. I, I, that was by design. Yeah. As I do. And I was in Orlando. Also um, not a sex offender. Also not a sex offender. <laughs> Although those bath salts down there. They like fizz when you put them in the water and stuff. So, yep. Um, hey, a big <laughs> friendly shout out goes out to our friends, uh, our Patreon subscribers who are also our producers now, uh, Zane, Bruce, and of course, now Ruff. Ruff has joined the bandwagon. I knew he would. I figured it was only a matter of time. Yeah. And I know now why too. He was a little bit late to the, to the party. Uh, he emails us. So we have some feedback from him. Uh, hey guys, I've been traveling for work and are reading library books. It's one of the downsides of having a short commute now. I had to drive into town to pick up some Georgetown cupcakes, so I took the opportunity to catch up on episodes 321 and 322. That's a two-hour commute for cupcakes, man. How? Where do you live? I hope those cupcakes are freaking epic. I know. Uh, she, he says, Eero is going well. Wife has given it two thumbs up. Furthermore, I had to clean out my study to paint it and move the wireless printer to the kitchen. I was able to print from the other end of the house with zero problems. It's which nice, is isn't cool. it? He also writes uh, a second email. The wife is looking to move away from her Apple laptop to a desktop. I dropped in on the Apple guys and gave them grief for not producing a docking station. Sure, there are docking a- Apple docking stations made by others, but they are completely trash the cables and other important things. I also looked at the Mac Pro. It was hot to the touch. One fan to cool two GPU cards, and one of the GPU cards has an M2 SSD attached. Either it won't be able to keep up if you push it, or if you're just doing Facebook, Pinterest, and Gmail, then you probably don't need a new, a new Mac Pro. Other round PCs. The Samsung Art PC Pulse, the MSI Vortex, the CryoG Ola, the Dune case, the iMagic Mini ITX PC, and the Pi 2 10 color case. And he says we should definitely check out the pics of that one. I'm actually going to try to get, get her interested in the Case Labs Bullet, uh, case in time, in lime green. And he provi- provides a link to it, which is kind of cool. It's a little mini ITX cube. Looks very cute. Nice. Mm hmm. 
There are, thanks for the emails, Ruff. There are a lot of, um, what should I say? Non standard cases out there. You remember when shuttle used to make them? No, that we're, we're talking like 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. Shuttle didn't just make PCs. They just made motherboards and cases and they hit on such an idea with their tiny, tiny little case. Maybe I that was do. really, really hard to make, but people loved them so much that they just, they actually dropped individual manufacturing for consumer parts and just started making pre-made PCs. Okay. And they're still around and there's other ones too. I mean, one of my cases is a Corsair cube case. Um, so yeah, Apple's not the only one to make cool hardware, but at the same time, it is kind of nice to have that. Oh, it came from the factory looking this sweet. That is true. That, that really is true. I'm interested now. I want to see this bullet PC case. Case Labs Bullet BH4. We'll, we'll, we'll get a sense for, uh, we'll get a sense for exactly how, how good Ruff's taste is by taking a look at this thing. Oh. Oh, that is the picture he sent. Okay. And that makes absolutely horrible radio, dude. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. You'll have to post a, a picture of that in the in the show notes. It looks like if you were to put some googly eyes in there, um, it could be one of the bots from Wally. I just sent you a link to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, it is a very cute one though, and it looks like it wouldn't take up too much space, so that's kind of cool. That Good thing does that, need googly eyes, right? Totally. Googly eyes and like a, an LCD mouth to change. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was at high altitude in like a hundred plus degree heat for a week. Yeah. We broke some heat records for uh, this area of Utah for this time of year with a bunch of 12, 13 and 14 year old boys who were not well suited for the heat. Wait, are, are they, are you saying they're soft? Um, yeah. Uh, but I also realized that that idea that you're only as young as you say you are is absolute bull because I am not as young as I used to be. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. Go fig, right? Yeah. And I was in Orlando, which was hot. It was mid-90s and uh, really high humidity. So, yeah. yay. Dude from the desert was not enjoying the humidity. But no, I survived. And, and IT dude was not enjoying life without Wi-Fi. That's I think that's got to be the hardest thing, dude. When you like go up into the mountains because I camp a lot, right? And that always seems to be the hardest. Is it's also the most rewarding though when I can get my kids to put their phones down. Mm-hmm. And it was. Um, I I left my smartwatch at home. Uh, I didn't want to see it destroyed. I didn't. You know, I was going to be swimming in a lake. I was going to be hiking and climbing a lot. I was going to be in a lot of dirt. 
And even though Samsung built my Galaxy Gear S3 to be watertight and dirt resistant and everything, I still didn't want to want to take that chance. Yeah. So I just got like a cheap $10 Timex. Something with a nylon Velcro strap that, okay. you know, had Indiglo, just so basically I could just tell time. And I was going nuts the entire time because I kept expecting, I kept looking at my wrist expecting actual information, like how long I'd been walking or my elevation gain or my current altitude or the barometer or any actual information. Oh, and I just have a watch there. It was driving me insane. <laughs> Man, you just said a word that I haven't heard for years. Indiglo. Right? I remember when that came out, and dude, that was awesome. The future was there. My first watch I received when I was 10, and it was a Timex. Um, I forget the uh, exact model name. It was waterproof to 100 meters, and I thought I was hot stuff because I had that. And it didn't have Indiglo. It had an actual bulb that would, like a, a, like would only a illuminate... Bulb. Like a light bulb, and it would illuminate part of the face. Yeah. Unless the battery was running low, then the ch- then the current required to run the bulb dimmed the screen so much that you didn't see anything. Dude, that's how like my first, I don't know, half dozen watches were. Yeah, so then, it's just kind of funny how much I've grown accustomed to this smartwatch. Yeah, I think when I was in high school when Indiglo came out by Timex, and dude, that like revolutionized watches for me. Mm-hmm. The future, man. Yes. There was no, there was no getting over that. It's awesome, isn't it? It is. Um, well, hey, let's, uh, we've vamped enough here. Let's get on into our headlines. And our first one is from Comcast. Oh. Comcast is like the mafia of ISPs, I think. It really is. So there is a, um, amicus brief, uh, that is currently, well, I guess, is that the correct one? There's a lawsuit being filed against it from a tiny little ISP down in Texas called Telecom Cable LLC, which has to be the most nondescript generic name for a ISP ever. But it tells you what they do, which is awesome. They had 229 customers in Weston Lakes and Corrigan, Texas. And when Comcast moved in, they knew, okay, well, they're going to start doing some constructions. So they went out of their way to clearly mark all their equipment, all their lines, everywhere where their main lines went in, and tried to get their map over to the head of new constructions at Comcast. A map of all their data cables and their routes and everything, which is a lot of work. But, hey, you know, uh-huh. you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Comcast well- moved in and promptly cut all their main lines yeah and you've got to do it i mean you've got to do that to protect not only your investment of the lines but i think it's the law isn't it it is the law actually and Um, so they were doing the law which just made it easier for comcast to be dicks so i i live in a city and i've mentioned this before that we have our own municipal internet uh, the city itself has its own internet company. We've got fiber optic. We get gig up, gig down for a really reasonable price. It's pretty awesome. Comcast hates us. Straight up hates us. If you move into a house 
and you say, oh, I have Comcast already. I want Comcast. They'll come in and they will cut the existing line going into the house from the city and drop in their own line. Now, in case you're wondering what the problem with that is, it's actually illegal. They do that in, in Spanish Fork, where you're from? Mm-hmm. Wow. It is illegal to disconnect existing utilities from a house. Yeah, they, you need to call that utility and have them come do it, correct? Correct, correct. There's a big reason behind this, and it's not just internet. It is all utilities. It is illegal to cut utilities from a house. Like at a federal level. Is it federal? I don't know. I don't follow the laws closely enough. So It's an FCC ruling, so which I- of course means that it's probably going to get repealed and overturned and no one cares. But it's also one that's kind of hard to, uh, it's kind of hard to prove. Uh-huh. The installers know it because they go out there and they see how things are installed and they know that they didn't do it that way, but that's a hard thing to prove. Yeah. You know, and now we have this where they basically ran another cable company out of business in the area by doing this. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's interesting because you look at the details of the case and they severed the mainline cable the first time. The owner of the company goes out. He fixes it. He's obviously annoyed because he clearly marked everything, but they say, oh, well, we thought that these were old markings. Well, no, no. So what they, they went out and the foreman said that, oh, yeah, we saw that it had been freshly marked. We figured that meant that they were abandoned. Yeah, yeah. We thought they assumed that the fresh orange paint marked an abandoned cable. Which, um, it's industry standard that data cables are marked orange. Yeah. Power is red. You know, gas is yellow. These aren't, I'm not even a contractor and I know these things. Yeah, and so then he goes, he gets them back up and running. Obviously that takes time. His customers are pissed off because how long can you go without cable and internet in this day and age? And then every other time Comcast goes out to do a new site, he marks his cables, they cut the cables until they eventually drove him out of business. That's straight up mafia tactics. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I expect them to like give him some concrete shoes. Yeah. Um, he, so he's suing. I hope he wins. I think everyone hopes he wins. Because people don't like Comcast. No. No, they don't. Yeah, I, I love the first the first comment on this article, by the way. It's on Ars Technica. Somebody says here, wow, actually pulling the nice coax you've got there would be a pity if something happened to it. I mean, that right there is... That's a perfect summation of what's going on here. In this case. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, uh, l- let's see how it, how sleazy it is standing up against CenturyLink here. Cause our next headline is about CenturyLink pulling a Wells Fargo like scheme. And this one's really interesting here. So a former CenturyLink employee alleges in a lawsuit that she posted to the CEO on a company message board 
bringing up that some customers were being bilked with unauthorized charges uh, and, quote, adding up to many millions over the past two years. She was then fired. Okay. She then brought her her lawsuit. She brought the claim to a company, to a, to a law firm, who is starting up a class action lawsuit that could be uh, going after them for a couple billion dollars. Up to 12 billion, actually. Uh-huh. What the lawsuit alleges is that people have been signed up for fake services or fake accounts under CenturyLink um, and then either not told about it or they never agreed to it. And if they catch it, and that's a big if, and they dispute it, they're still on the hook to pay for the service they didn't sign up for through the termination of the contract. So if Zoner, if you suddenly looked at your bill and said, wait a minute, what's this $10 extra equipment charge? I don't have any extra equipment. And you call up and they say, oh, yeah, that's for the second uh, wireless router that you wanted to rent from us. I didn't want to. I don't have one. Well, it's on your bill and you have to pay for it for the next two years. Well, I'm not going to pay for it for the next two years. Okay, well, I guess we're going to send you to collections then. And that was happening across the board. Now, I thought that they were only on the hook up until the time where they reported that they never signed up for it. So they had to pay for anything going up to that point. I thought that at that point they could then... Did I did I misunderstand that? Maybe I did. Again, sunstroke. I'm not feeling that great. Um, maybe I did. But either way, it's still not great. Yeah, it's super, super horrible. I mean, and I'm a CenturyLink customer. Mm-hmm. So I don't like to see stories like this because it makes me really nervous. What's really funny is the fact that uh, the spokesperson for CenturyLink uh, has responded saying, quote, the fact that a law firm is trying to lever- leverage a wrongful termination suit into a putative class action lawsuit does not change our original position, uh, end quote. Uh, what I find funny there is that he essentially just admitted that she was wrongfully terminated. Yeah. I find yeah. that kind of hilarious. Uh, the problem is, is that, look, CenturyLink you're not in great light here because companies do this all the time. Oh, they do. Uh, Wells Fargo was caught last year and had to pay $185 million when it came to light that they were signing people up for fake accounts and fake services and forgetting to cancel them. Heck, I used to work for a credit card company, and I won't say which one, and it was a massive... Uh, um. Policy, not policy, I shouldn't say that, but it was a practice that many agents did to sign people up for services that would eventually fall off the account because it was a quote-unquote error, but hey, still looked great for the sales numbers in the meantime. Yeah. This happens across the board, and it happens when you dehumanize your customers to just be account numbers that you'll never have to deal with again. And incentivize on a personal level different sales agents' numbers. Well, I think a lot of that, I mean, this is kind of a, an old example, but you look at AOL. 
back in the late 90s, they were the internet. And they completely dehumanized their customers. I remember one day I got a phone call from them saying, hey, we want to send you a directory of websites. I'm like, okay, cool. They send me this. It was literally a yellow pages of the internet, which in 1997 was a lot easier to do than it would be today. Um, and then all of a sudden I started noticing that I'm bouncing checks left and right. They had withdrawn $88 from my account for that internet yellow pages. Without authorization, they said, we're sending it to you. And ultimately, that's one of the things that led me to cancel my service with them. But they completely dehumanized me in favor of a profit. And I, I was an account number to them. And if you're wondering what we say when we say incentivize, it's in a lot of these call centers. Hey, okay, team, we're going to let you go early if you guys can hit this amount by the end of, by this time. Yeah. So people go nuts and they do it. Hey, we're doing steak dinners for everyone on the floor. If you guys can beat last year's or last month's sales numbers, yeah. or if you can beat this other team, it's a technique that managers and team leads use to motivate their employees. And I'm not even faulting them for that because you do what you have to do to motivate your employees. But when you are incentivizing people's accounts, people are going to abuse the accounts. You're, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because it almost, stuff like that almost dehumanizes the agents, too. Right. I mean, they're, they're just straight up at that point being used and told, you do whatever you have to do to get this carrot that we're waving in front of you on this stick. And, yeah, I think it, I think it sucks. It definitely does. So, what else sucks? Oh, I know what sucks. Ransomware. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about ransomware lately. Is it mm -hmm. is it just me, or is it becoming more prevalent? It's becoming a lot more pre prevalent. Um, there was a bit of uh, ransomware that had uh, gone around. And it's a Erebus. We talked about this, I want to say, the beginning of the year. It affected mainly Windows computers. Was this one of the C one that was uh, branched off from the CIA stuff? I think so. Because yeah. we've had we've had quite a few of those. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Windows has since been patched to, to protect against it. But this one was modified to affect Linux systems, which. There's one massive industry that runs primarily Linux. And if you have a Linux admin who isn't top of his game in keeping updates and security protocols in place, you're going to have problems. And that's what's happened to one South Korean web host, Nayana, I think I'm saying correctly. They got hit with ransomware, which encrypted customers' data, about 153 servers and close to 3,400 customer websites. They ended up having to pay, uh, they were, it was demanded that they pay around 5 billion won, uh, which is about 4.4 million U.S. They were really eventually able to get it down to 1 million U.S. But you gotta figure for the hackers is still a massive payday, and that's a good, uh, 
that's a good bit of negotiating on the web host end, but man, that sucks. Even after they've decrypted the data, that doesn't actually mean anything. They still have to put it all back where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, too, if they're able to get everything put back in place, is the vulnerability that allowed it originally going to be put back in place as well? Right. Because they may not know what it was that, that led to that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, the web host, it turns out, doesn't have a great history anyway. Uh, it's running Apache version 1.3.36, PHP version 5.1.4. The current version of PHP is version 7. So, I mean, that tells you a bit about how lax uh, their their updates have been. So that's not helping them any. But uh, it's, it's a good sign that if you're in the market to get a new web host or to build a website... Make sure that you're getting one that actually updates software and has some security in place. Yes. Because that could be bad otherwise. It could. Um, in other hacking news, this one's kind of weird. Uh, Honda evidently got infected with a worm. Uh, a worm made by the NSA. I... I'm not even sure where it got in. Well, wasn't this a, a WannaCry virus? Uh, or, yeah, Wanna, WannaCry variant? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. And it's really funny because, um, supposedly, the, a kill switch went out that disabled all of WannaCry. And Microsoft released a patch in March that also helped protect against WannaCry. Honda hadn't installed the patch and had somehow blocked the domain that the kill switch was coming from, thereby ensuring the worm was able to live within this plant. And they've had to now shut down the entire plant to get it cleaned out off their network. That's just crazy. It's like they did everything wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, the fact that this happened like more than a month after that initial WannaCry outbreak is almost comedic. Because, you know, you think that this is contained or that it's at least blocked from being able to do any more damage. And then freaking Toyota or Honda which you would think would have a fairly with it IT department gets hit. Mm-hmm. That just that's almost hilarious. But that's a that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. I mean, if it, if they have to shut down production, I mean that's that's a lot of money that that cost. Um, in some kind of I don't want to say crazy news. But it's very interesting. The Supreme Court of the U.S. has handed down a ruling saying you cannot ban people from the Internet no matter what they've done. I This makes absolute sense to me, but it's kind of funny because at the same time it also runs counter to previous things I've heard. I've heard all sorts of things about, you know... Hackers who are just like the top of their game, who as part of their parole now, 
they're not allowed on any computer. They're yeah. not allowed on the internet at all. And, uh, sex predators and, you know, things like that. But a North Carolina ruling against a registered sex offender went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And because North Carolina has a law that set, that bans all registered sex offenders from using the internet, that it went up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court actually sided with the offender and said that the law is far too broad. Now, to be fair, the law is in place to prevent them from getting onto social media sites and like teenage dating sites and, uh, and youth discussion boards and whatnot. Okay. Which I think we can all understand the reasoning behind the law. It does make sense. It's yeah. It's like they're not allowed to go into a school either. It's the same kind of idea. Yeah. But the way the law was written was so broad, it basically said they're not allowed onto any communication portal on the internet or the internet at all. What's funny is even though it's 2017, people still view the internet as like this luxury. Yeah. When in, when in fact, over 10 years ago, it was voted, I think throughout the entire EU as an actual human right. See, I don't know if I would put it as a human right. I mean, I see it as something like electricity or running water. Well, running water, you need that to live. You don't need electricity to live. Part of the human rights campaign is that it is a fundamental human right to be able to communicate with others. And that to cut that off from a person is almost like taking them hostage. Which I can understand in this case, because social media is used for communication and things well, like that. Well, in so many parts of the world now, the internet is the only form of communication. And, I mean, that's why there are countries in Europe that it's like everyone is allowed broadband. It's part of a citizen's right to have broadband. Now, the broadband is rather slow. If you want something faster, you have to pay. But everyone gets free broadband because it is a human right. And, and that makes a lot more sense when you consider that, I mean, how many people have phone lines now? Not as many as there were 10 years ago. But it's on the books as a law that it's illegal to rip out a phone line from a house. Not just for the reasons we mentioned before with the whole Comcast thing, but because it's basically cutting off communication. Okay. In fact, uh, if a police officer goes into a home and finds that the home phone has been damaged or ripped from the wall, that's usually signs of abuse. Uh-huh. And they start investigating it for that reason. Which makes sense. But... So many people don't have copper landlines anymore. They use the internet. Yeah. And because it's so fundamentally a communication tool now, to have any law on the books that says, no, you can't use it, the Supreme Court said violates the First Amendment. Now, they were quick to point out that should North Carolina revamp their law to be much more narrow in scope, then it would avoid this little pitfall. And that really is the problem, is that it was just so broad, saying they can't do it for anything. But I find it I find it interesting that even now, still, this day and age, people still see the internet as this luxury toy. That, oh, you don't really need that. 
Yeah, I I mean I I understand that logic and maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I I do I view the internet as a necessity but I would not put it at the same level as something like water or food, you know, things like that. I I would, I would put it as something like electricity or, you know, yeah, probably I'd compare it to electricity. You know, it's good to have, you kind of need it, but if you don't have electricity, you're not, you're probably not going to die. You're probably, you're, you know, you can still function in your life with with changes. You know, if you don't have internet, you can go to the library. There's other things available. It's not convenient, and yeah, it sucks, but I, I wouldn't, and I think we've talked about this before, I would not put internet access as a human right. Well, let's put it this way, and this is kind of going back to what the Comcast uh, article at the top of the show here. Um, in... Utah, at least in my area, if a house does not have gas, water, sewage, electricity, and communication lines going into it, it is considered not habitable by the Utah Housing Commission. Okay. It cannot be sold as a house. It does not have the proper permits. You can't mortgage it. It's basically a shed. If any of those are missing, it's not a house. It's not a habitable home. It needs to have all of them. Now, communication lines can be something as simple as telephone lines going in, or it could be just straight fiber optic. There could be no twisted cable going in there for phones. None whatsoever. It's just fiber optic. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the person inside has to buy service over them, but it has to have it. It has to be available. It has to be available. And it's that same kind of thinking now that, no, this is our communication tool. It might be better to say that Internet is vital. Anything over 1.5 megabits is a luxury. You know, one gig up and down is a bit of a luxury. It is. But Internet service in general is a necessity. Would that be more fair? That might be more fair. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm having a tough time coming around. I, I do think in this day and age, not having internet access makes life ex- or can make life extremely difficult. It can make life extremely difficult. I'm interested to hear everyone else's thoughts. I mean, it's kind of, Kind of a skewed audience. I mean, all of our listeners are probably tech heads. Um, if not, then they want to be, but we're listening to a show recorded over the internet, published on the internet for a website that resides on the internet about things happening on the internet. So we're probably going to get some rather biased feedback, but I want to hear feedback at stolendroids.com. What do you think of the internet? Is it a vital part of human existence now is it a right is it a public service uh should you be able to ban people from it just entirely 
Part of me wishes you could, because there's a lot of screaming 14-year-olds on forum boards. <laughs> True, and they've been there for years. You should need to get your internet permit. It's kind of like a driver's permit, but you have to take tests, and you have to have inspectors come and see your history, and if you are just a complete dick on the internet, you lose points, and after you've lost a certain amount of points, you have to go and retake a test or whatnot to get your internet license. But see, then you run into the whole problem of regulating that. Who is going to determine whether you're being a dick or whether you're just being awesome? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's exactly how a totalitarian regime takes over the Internet. It is. is by limiting access to it. And so I'm only kind of saying that seriously. Because, yeah, you look at some of the stuff that Larry Correa will post on the Internet, and a lot of people could say, well, he's being a dick. Whereas other people are like, holy crap, this dude, this dude's lighting up everyone. This is highly entertaining and he needs like more internet access than he has. Right. It's all a matter of perspective there. It really is. Um, let's see here. Let's go into some other stuff. Maybe. <laughs> oh, how about a, a stupid ruling, a stupid ballot on the, uh, voters block for Cal- Colorado? This pisses me off. I mean, I'm a father of five kids. You've got, what, four? I have four. You've got four. And we've, we've both given our children technology. We've also both implemented ways to restrict access to said technology. And we both try and do our job as parents to effectively manage how that technology is used by our children. Is that right. is that a fair statement? That's fair. Now, there's some... I don't know. The only word I can think of is dumbass here. I mean, he's a father... We're really going lo- to lose our family-friendly rating. Ugh. He's a father of five, and he gave, in Colorado, he gave his two youngest sons smartphones... Now, I don't think, I don't remember the name, um, or the age of the children. 13 and 11. Oh, 11 and 13. Yeah, that's right. And he then immediately regretted it because the kids, I guess, were always on it. I don't know. That's, maybe they're looking at porn at 13 years old. Who knows? But he regretted his kids, uh, having those smartphones. So he went and not only did he take the phones away, he formed a nonprofit called parents against underage smartphones, drafting the nation's first proposed measure that would ban smartphone usage among preteens. And the proposed measure in Colorado would make it illegal for mobile retailers to sell smartphones to kids under the age of 13 or to any person who intends to provide the phone, either wholly or partially, to somebody under the age of 13. Which, by the way, is written kind of like an anti-cigarette bill. Yeah. And so, like, if you're sitting in church and your two-year-old is going out of control and grabs your phone and starts playing with it, you're breaking the law, and that's a $500 fine. Because your two-year-old got your phone and had access to it. Or if you decide my kid is 12 years old, he plays soccer, he plays baseball, 
I got to drop him off at practice. I need to know when he's done so I can pick him up. So I'm buying him a phone. You're breaking the law and you got a $500 fine coming to you. Right. Well, and the thing is, is that my 13 year old has a smartphone. Okay. He has a, an LG G4 that he got for his birthday. Okay. And guess what? He's had it taken away a few times. Yep. His, his grade slip. He loses smartphone privilege. He's being a jerk. He loses smartphone privileges. He's abusing the smartphone. He loses smartphone privileges because that's what it is. It's a privilege. It is. And it's easy to say for us as armchair parents going, well, you're doing it wrong. But if you view this, we just got done talking about right versus privilege here, right? The Internet is a human right, but not all forms of access to it are. And I don't see why this is so hard for them to understand. Yeah. You know, so you didn't like your kids on it. Well, guess what? Did you ever think that maybe this is just them getting used to a new tool? Because that's what all of us do when we get a new tool. And like I said, we don't know all the details of what was happening here. But think about when you get a new smartphone. How much time do you spend on that? Getting it set up, getting it configured the way you want, you know, getting your apps installed. I mean, that's a, that happens a lot. My daughter has a smartphone. She's 11. My 12 year old son, or no, she's 12. My 13 year old son lost his smartphone because his grades weren't good enough. And we, there was some other stuff that was involved there, but we took his phone away and said, you don't get it if you don't get your grades to this level. And he failed to get his grades to that level by the end of the school year. So he doesn't get a smartphone all summer. He has to go through the first quarter of school next year and hope that he can get his grades high enough to where he can get a smartphone back. My 12 year old daughter has a smartphone. She sits and she plays video games on it. It's annoying, but I don't really see much difference between that and us playing Nintendo as kids or my son's coming down and playing Wii or whatever, playing Minecraft on the computer. She's playing games. That's what, that's what they do. And yeah, it's annoying, but I got my Nintendo taken away Plenty of times as a kid. I've taken my kids' phones away plenty of times. It's going to keep happening. It's called parenting. Yeah. I've gotten after my kids, or, or my, my one, my 13-year-old, when he wants to play um, on his phone at the dinner table. And it's like, no, dude, turn it off. Yeah. Not at the dinner table. Or when he seems to be charging it a lot. Like he once charged it three times in a day. I'm like, that is a sign you're using it too much, pal. Turn it off. Leave it there. Well, but I don't really want to. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm the dad. Listen to me. Now, the interesting thing about this is the guy who's trying to get this on the ballot, uh, so that, so that this can go to vote in Colorado, um, 
said that when he first threatened to take smartphones away, he likened his children's reaction to that of drug addicts going through withdrawal. That seems a bit extreme to me. So I'm sorry. Wait, did he, did they like roll up into the fetal position and just like seize and start vomiting and you know, all sorts of stuff? No, they got pissed off because their dad took their phone away. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's the called being that they- a kid. Yeah, the site that they, uh, that they put up for it says that, uh, smartphones cause ADHD, which is utterly false. Um, it leads to mental health issues. It leads to bullying. It causes kids to start making pornography. Uh, it creates a situation for ch- suicide later in childhood. Uh, boys give up on sports. Girls will have distorted body images. Um, and it introduces them to gaming. Okay. I I don't think I need to debunk any of that, do I? Well, the interesting thing is there's no evidence of any of that. There may be, you know, what I what's the word where there's not actual scientific evidence, but there's 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 no cor- there is no correlation or causation. Yeah, I mean there may be circumstantial evidence. But there haven't been studies that prove this yet. And my, my thinking here is this is something that dude needs to keep in his own family. Let him be a crappy parent. Just cause he's a bad parent doesn't mean everybody else is. It doesn't mean that everybody else is incapable of being an effective parent with technology. Mm hmm. I mean, but he is an anesthesiologist. So I imagine he works long hours. I imagine he's probably not spending a lot of quality time. I could be wrong. I'm just guessing here. I mean, knowing doctors spend a lot of time working. And so my, the circumstantial evidence I'm seeing here is he's Stepping over the line because he's a crappy dad. And again, we can't say anything for sure. I I don't have any empirical evidence stating that fact. I'm just going off assumptions, kind of like he is with all of his um, damage by electric pacifiers that takes place. I, look, we all mess up with our kids. At the end of the day, we're all just guessing, if we're being perfectly honest. Ooh, especially with your first couple. Oh my gosh, yeah. They're, they're, they're almost just do-overs, you know, they're the mulligan kids. Um. You cut your losses and start but, fresh with the next one. Exactly, exactly. Um, we're, we're joking, but only kind of. If you're not a parent yourself, you think we're being horrible. If you are a parent, you know exactly what we're talking about. But the point is, is that, there's a difference between realizing you may have made a mistake with a kid, which we all do, versus, hey, you know what? I did this thing and it's horrible. Let me pass legislation to make sure no one else can do this. Yeah. It's like, there's no way. There, there's, there's a big gulf there between those two options. Yeah, there, there really is. There really is. Um, In some happier news. Atari is announcing they're making a console. And that's all we've got. Yeah, we don't know anything about this, but 
Okay, cool. A lot of people are wondering if it's going to be something along the lines of the NES Classic that came out last year. But the, part of the problem there is is that they're like it's going to be built off of PC components. Yeah. But what isn't now? The Xbox One is built off of PC components. The PlayStation has its own variation on PC components. The Nintendo Classic Edition that they brought out was a quad-core ARM processor. And since that can also run Windows, technically those are PC components. So what are we talking about here? This article, which is on Extreme Tech, points out very aptly, there's no way Atari can possibly go up against Microsoft or Sony right now. I don't Not think a chance. so. Not a slight chance, not a snowball's chance in hell. They're not even a shadow of their former selves. They're a shadow of a shadow of a shadow. And they're mostly owned by Blizzard now anyway. Yeah. So there's no way they could come out with anything new. So they're likely looking at some kind of uh, emulator system. Which is interesting because we've had Atari emulators for how long? Well, not just that, but Atari has been selling their games on other consoles for forever. Yeah. So it's not like you even need an Atari console to play an old Atari game. Yeah. So, okay. Good job there. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, interesting thing. I'm curious to see what happens. And while we're talking about the, um, NES classic, there's been rumors the last couple of days that they're making a, a super NES classic, which I've already told my wife, I will like camp out for that thing. Except for the fact that a lot of the NES classic didn't live up to the hype either. So hopefully they do a better job on that. Well, I just, I, the super NES, that was my favorite console. To this day, that's still my favorite console. I, I was a Sega Genesis dude. I loved that. See, my brother had a Sega Genesis. And I would sit down at my Nintendo any day over his Sega. I mean, of course, he had Mortal Kombat. So. That Which was, is just better. That was, that was awesome. Walk in, or mom walks in when you're playing it and you got the blood turned on get yelled at for the next 20 minutes she takes the game away forgets why she took it away the next day gives it back to you repeat the cycle all over again (laughs) (laughs) it was awesome indeed but yeah i i don't know i can't think of hardly any atari console games that i would like to play i mean there's a few you got pac-man donkey kong uh, Pitfall, I absolutely loved. Uh, Space Invaders, maybe, uh, Asteroids. I just can't think of a whole lot that I would want to purchase a console to be able to play those on. Mm, okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm with you there too. I'd, I'd prefer instead to have, like, uh, an emulator system here on my computer. Definitely. And an, and an official one at that. Yes. I'd want an N64 one though, personally. That was a good console. I enjoyed it. But yeah, I, I'm a- Super Nintendo guy. That was the first console I bought with my own money after I got a job. <laughs> I, I loved that. 
And I bought it. It was like brand new when I bought it. Like, it was sweet, man. Um, Instagram has decided to change how influencers, which I don't even actually understand, can do ads. Yeah, I think There's- influencers are like the Kardashians and people who have a lot of followers. And you don't know why. Uh, but people give them money to do posts about crap. Like, oh, have a Pepsi, it'll save the world. And, and yeah, and a lot of times you look at that stuff and you're like, is it, are they getting paid for this? Well, now, yes, they're, it's going to be easier to tell they're getting paid. I'm, I'm so confused by everything in this article. I'm, I have no clue what is going on. Yeah, I, I don't really either. What are influencers? I know you just tried to explain it, but I'm still lost. What the crap's an influencer? I think it's people that have a lot of followers, really. I I think that's really what it boils down to. So So if they post something that seems like an ad, then they have to make it obvious that it's an ad? Yeah, if they're if they're posting an ad, they have to. And I think there's actually a law saying that they have to make it an ad with like a hashtag sponsored or something, but they're, they're changing it a little more. So it's a little more obvious. Okay. So whatever. All you Instagram people. Um, yeah, just be aware. Changes are coming. I don't understand the kids these days. I know we're, we're old, dude. <laughs> I we're just feel old. so old now. I, uh, I do finally- the Instagram for stolen droids and I'll occasionally post something on my personal account, but I don't, I don't do Instagram like people do Instagram. <laughs> I like uh, Twitter, 140 characters and I'm done. Our, our final one is from Amazon and they have launched in beta a new fashion system where you can buy clothes from them. Try them on, and then if they don't fit, send them back. Yep. Well, you don't need to buy them. They'll send them to you, and you try them on and return it for free. Uh, You can pick up to uh, uh, at least three items and up to 15 items. Uh, So, yeah. And do you remember when they came out with that? I don't know, echo closet or whatever, the closet echo or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what that was, but, or what the name of it is off the top of my head. But I said, watch, they're going to, they're going to start using this for, to promote their fashion stuff. And they're going to start using it to sell more clothing. And sure enough, you were right. It's tying in with, um, it's tying in with it. So yeah, Amazon prime wardrobe. It's currently in beta, but you can sign up to be notified when it launches. What do you, Crazy. I, I, I think that this is a really good idea because one of the big qualms I have about purchasing clothing on the internet is everything is a different size. You buy a 2XL or an XL or whatever, and that 2XL may be the equivalent of an XL in like normal people sizes, or it could be freaking huge and something you would never even consider wearing because it's like just so it's more like a three or a four XL and it's it's crazy but I've recently I've actually bought pants on the internet twice in the last six months and they 
both times worked out really well for me. I, I mean, I love them. They're, they're very comfortable dress slacks that I picked up for work. But that is a huge drawback to me in actually buying clothes on the internet. It's not knowing how they're going to fit. So this is genius, I think, on Amazon's part. I'm going to have to withhold my my opinion on it because it honestly depends on how well they can do it. I recently just tried to buy something on Amazon. This, this was the first time I've ever had this kind of problem where they said, oh, thanks for paying for the one-day delivery. Your order is on track. Your order that you processed you know, six days ago is on track to be delivered two days ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or, or the ever favorite. I ordered something like two months ago. It was supposed to be here a month ago. And I looked, it says it was delivered, but the last activity took place in Montana. So I don't know where it was delivered to. I don't know what's going on. Right. So it, it all kind of just depends there on whether or not this can actually work out. I hope it can, uh, but we shall have to see. Yes. So, all right, into our favorites. Uh, mine comes from our old friend, Whitney Avalon. I'm sorry, Stephanie Thorpe. You're still my crush, but I just get so enamored with Whitney Avalon's voice, and she is at it again, uh, this time with her creative partner, uh, whose name escapes me because he isn't as pretty. Uh, but they do, <laughs> but he's very talented, uh, and they do all the, uh, Disney villains. It's, it's Peter Hollins is his name. Oh, well, if you're into him, that's okay. He's talented too, but, uh, it's quite cool actually listening to the two of them sing from the villain standpoint and the villains have some pretty fun songs in Disney movies. Yes, they do. So you should definitely check it out. Yeah. And my favorite, it's, it's kind of a weird one this week. I was in Orlando, as I mentioned, and I spent four nights there. And each of those four nights, I obviously had to eat. And I came across a restaurant called the Bonefish, Bonefish Grill, I think it is. I don't remember the name of it. Dang it. Yeah. Bonefish Grill. And, you know, normally, I mean, I, I like to eat at local places. I'm not a huge fan of chains, but I got to tell you, Orlando's full of chains and I wasn't in the mood to go try and find the local places. So I stopped at Bonefish Grill and I ordered the Bang Bang Shrimp, which is their appetizer. It's about 10 bucks. Although on Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, it was six bucks, which made me happy. So I actually ate there twice just for this shrimp. Uh, so like half the time I was there, half of my, half of my evening meals were bang bang shrimp because it was just so good. So if you have a bonefish grill where you're at, uh, they're not everywhere. Uh, but if you do have one in your location, uh, I highly recommend you go check out this place if you haven't already and try the bang bang shrimp because it is freaking amazing. Awesome. Do we have one here in Utah? We do not. Curse but you for even bringing it up now. I am going back to Orlando in September, and I will be getting Bang Bang Shrimp for dinner at least one night. Because it's awesome. So good. It's like spicy. It's like it's almost like a spicy mayo that they put on the shrimp. Oh, man. So good. <laughs> so good. 
Awesome. Well, uh, that is our episode this week. Let us know what you're thinking. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and evidently Instagram. Uh, And until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.